Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. Alongside Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, I'm Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Gee, I wonder what we'll talk about today. Uh, the new quarterback has been named, and we'll get real. We'll dive real deep into uh, all of that. Uh, it's going to be almost an exclusively quarterback-oriented podcast today, which I think everybody would be fine with. We'll touch on a few other topics near the end, and we'll go out of here with a prediction. It, you know, Speaking of predictions, I don't think anybody in the Hokie Media Corps really predicted that this would happen this fast or that, that we, when you guys showed up, I, did, I didn't come to the press conference. I had no inkling that this was going to happen. Uh, when you showed up there, were you, were you stunned to, to learn that that's what was going on on Monday? Yeah, I think nobody was necessarily stunned by the outcome. I think we had all sort of installed Josh Jackson as the favorite. I think the timing of it was extremely surprising because, you know, you and I were at the thing, what was it, last Friday? Yeah. Uh, Where, you know, the quarterbacks came to that. That was our first sort of meeting with the quarterbacks. Fuente talked about the competition, saying all three are getting even reps. Uh, had, had sort of talked up that first scrimmage. It's like, okay, the, it, I almost came away from that thinking, okay, this is sort of the starting point of the real competition here. Uh, this is when they're really going to get down to brass tacks and find out which of these guys can can play. Uh, and as it turns out, Josh Jackson had already sort of started, you know, putting himself ahead of the other guys at that point. And uh, you know, Fuente yesterday is like, you know, I'm not going to update you guys on you know the daily proceedings of this, who's up, who's down, and all that stuff. Uh, I didn't never expected him to, but I did sort of expect to take the temperature of the room and kind of get a feel of when this decision would come. And you know, I was completely off base. I was uh, fooled by the fact that it was already kind of moving in a certain direction. And uh, I don't. Did you come away from that that meeting with the same feeling that okay, this is sort of when it really starts to get serious? This competition. Yeah, I did, and I also thought that uh, AJ Bush seemed to be closing the gap. You know, just based on what. Um, Perhaps this is why we shouldn't base it on how they sound in interviews. Well, not just how AJ was talking, but also what uh, what Fuente was saying about you know pointing out that he's one of the most athletic players in the entire locker room, not just in the quarterback room. I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, he didn't have to say that, you know, and he did. Um, so that kind of threw me off. Maybe that was a little red herring for me, but I didn't ever really think that Bush was going to overtake Jackson. I think we all thought. Uh, or most of us at least thought that that was going to be the end game here. But last year, you know, that the competition went much deeper. Uh, what was it, August twenty fifth or something like that? Before they named uh, uh, yeah, Gerard the- it was eleven days later than now. And this seems like a less cut and dry <laughs> scenario than that one was. I mean, now at, le- at least in hindsight, as well as Gerard Evans played and as comfortable he lo- as he looked in that system all year long, right? Yeah, it's interesting because this is a. Uh- one of the longest camps that Virginia Tech will have. It's just sort of the nature, you know, they eliminated two days this year. You can't do those. So uh, as a result of that, I think they gave all the teams an extra week of practice if they wanted it. Uh, so, you know, Virginia Tech's reporting August 1st uh, for their first game, September 3rd. I mean, that's over a month of practices. Uh, you know, they're not going to practice every day. Fuente has talked about being smart about that and giving these guys the rest when they need. But, uh, this was before practice number 12. This was after 11 practices when I think you've got 28 or 29 practices that you can use 
uh, in that first practice or first month of the the season, and you look at it and you go, wow, they, they made this very early in the process. So I think the timing kind of surprised me, uh, especially because all three are so inexperienced. I mean, you'd expect uh, a true freshman like Hendon Hooker to continue to grow the more that he gets into August practice because, uh, quite frankly, hasn't been through that many practices before. Right. Uh, you know, each one of those will have a big impact on him. A.J. Bush, uh, you know, older guy, but he's still relatively new to the system. I only got here in the winter. Uh, every practice is very valuable to him in that sense. So uh, the fact that they went with Jackson, I mean, it, like I said, I, I don't think it's a surprise. The result, I think the timing is very surprising just because it happened so soon. Yeah, I didn't write a full column on this because – it just you know wasn't a surprise as you said that the actual naming of Jackson and we've written so or you've written so much about Jackson and who he is and what he's all about uh, that I didn't think there was a lot more to flesh out there from my perspective at least uh, I wrote basically what I guess what Tony Kornheiser would call a columnette you know basically all right I tried to answer the question of why now uh, <coughs> why name the guy now uh, what does it mean that they named him now. And my theory was, and, and I'm curious what you think of my theory, but that if if they didn't like what they saw in that running back rotation that they've got with McLeese and Holston and, and uh, McMillan um, and, and Stephen Peoples, if they didn't think that that was going to be a very effective weapon for them, then I think they would have let it drag out a little longer because if you're going to go with a guy that's uh, your best option to do a, a Gerard Evans type of running load for the season I think it's AJ Bush that 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 can do that now we can we can talk a little bit about Jackson's mobility and what he brings to the table but um the fact that I think that, that they decided they could go with somebody um a little smaller and a little less inclined I would think to really carry a huge rushing load told me that they like their running backs what do you think about that theory do I agree with it uh, yes and no okay I'll, I'll use the uh, the old coach bay. That's when when a coach always says yes and no to something that you ask. They really mean no, right. but they're just being polite about it. I I don't think I agree necessarily with that. I, I think the quarterback decision is independent of the running back situation. I I think what they need, regardless of the kind of skills that they have in the offense, is a facilitator of the offense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason they went with Jackson. And, you know, Fuente mentioned it. He has the best uh, consistency of the group. He has the most predicted outcomes. That's a phrase that you've heard him use all the time. It's like, you know, when they call the play in, do they get the kind of result or, you know, the the operation of the play is successful uh, as, as the play is called? Does he run the offense the way the coaches want to? And, and is he comfortable? He sort of has that, you know, temperament. We've come back to that word a lot of times with Jackson is he just seems to have the right temperament for it. I, so I just think the quarterback position is just completely separate from the offense. I mean, maybe it's it's not that true, but I think they're making that decision first, uh, then looking at the rest of the offense and kind of building around that. And it, it may be true that they do feel more comfortable about those running backs, but I don't think the quarterback decision was based off that fact. The only reason I think that is just because of how much Gerard Evans ran last year. You know, if he hadn't been the leading rusher and if he hadn't had to be called upon so often uh, in so many games to do that, I wouldn't I wouldn't have had that initial thought. Well, if, if, if my theory is no good, which it might be, um, what's your theory about why now? Why not just let this go on a little bit longer? What are the benefits to, to naming a guy now? 
Well, we've mentioned the inexperience of all three of the guys. And, you know, obviously one of the, the major talking points of this August has been how inexperienced the skill players are around them. I mean, you know, Fuente mentioned it last week. We, we got a redshirt freshman receiver, true freshman tight end, you know, freshman, 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 all the guys around the field at, at any sort of snapshot of practice. I think getting a guy in place this early and giving him – uh, what is it, uh, almost three weeks now to prepare with that first group and sort of get on the same page and you know everybody's uh, sort of thinking the same way. I think that has value, uh, especially for somebody as inexperienced that hasn't been in games. I think, you know, last year Evans not experienced at Division One, but he had played a lot before. He had started at the junior college level. Motley had been around four years, had started some games the previous year. I think they could have worked with really whoever is in the offense, and anybody in the offense could have worked with them just because they're so used to it. Uh, I think it may take a little bit more for Josh Jackson to get to that point and giving him some additional time with the first-team reps. I know they split the – uh, the reps evenly between first and second team, but giving him those first team reps and, and getting that sort of first unit, as Fuente said, getting the band back together because there have been a lot of injuries and stuff early in camp. Uh, I think that's valuable to get them all on the same page and, and probably helps the this offense run. I was on the radio yesterday <coughs> locally, and they asked me, okay, physically, what is Josh Jackson going to bring to the table? Can you compare him to somebody we've seen come through Blacksburg or even another school uh, over the years, and I kind of drew a blank as to. I mean, I, I you know, the size wise, he's kind of Tyrodish, right? Um, speed wise, I don't know. I don't think he's Tyrodish in that respect, right? He, he feels like he can run, but uh, I don't think that's what he's looking to do first. And I'm not saying Tyrod was looking to run first either. He wasn't. Uh, but do you have any any names or any thoughts or physically? I mean, beyond temperament, beyond understanding the offense. Uh, who who will he look like when he runs out there on September 3rd? That's a good question, and I, I don't know that I've seen him play enough to give you an honest answer on that. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can look at the body type and maybe come up with a name, but that's just kind of a BS answer to, to this well, kind of question. Which is what I did on the radio, yeah. I, I completely <clears throat> BS my way through it, and we ended up at the place where I said, well, he's the first redshirt freshman to start uh, the opener since Michael Vick. So I said, he's the second coming of Michael Vick. Take it to the bank. You know, just kind of joking around. <laughs> and then they turned that into a blog post. It's like, Rono Columnist says this is – it's like, for God's sake, guys. Context. Understand the context of some of these things. No, I, it's tough. To, I, I think of the three guys that were up for the job – uh, you'd probably say he, you know, from a, a running standpoint or an athleticism standpoint, he's he's probably the the least kind of running inclined quarterback of that group. Uh, certainly, you know, we mentioned AJ Bush. I mean, the, you know, Fuente said he might be the most athletic guy on the team. So right. you're talking about an extreme athlete, uh, an AJ Bush, and, and a guy that I think would be a much better runner. Uh, I don't think Jackson's a slouch running the ball. I, I think he can do it. I just don't think it's his first thought or it's, he's a guy that's going to go, you're going to give him the ball 20 times in the game like you did Gerard. Uh, and honestly, I don't, I don't know if they thought Gerard was that last year until it kind of became apparent that he was that kind of runner. But uh, I think he's a guy who is smart with the ball and knows where it's supposed to go. Uh, you know, Fuente said he's getting better at anticipating throws and getting those throws in the right spot and the right timing and stuff like that. So um, I, I think he's just somebody who runs the offense well. He's not going to wow you with, oh, my gosh, he's overwhelmingly fast or he's overwhelmingly big. You know, <laughs> Virginia Tech has had the Michael Vick can just run past a guy. It's had the Logan Thomas is just physically bigger than anybody else. It's had Tyrod Taylor uh, – 
you know, physically more athletic than anybody on the field, can just make stuff happen by scrambling around and chucking the ball downfield. I, I wouldn't put Jackson in any of those specific categories. I think he's just a, a quarterback who runs the offense pretty well. Do you know a name I threw out there that I forgot that I even threw out there when I was on the radio? It was Michael Brewer. Maybe of all the guys, I mean, that, I mean maybe that doesn't excite Virginia Tech fans to think that, but, uh, you know, he, he went to on the road and beat Ohio State, and he could run the ball when he needed to, uh, but he was a pass-first guy. Um, he had a good understanding of the offense. It was Leffler's offense back then, but, you know, what, what do you think of that comparison? Is that? You know, I think uh, Jackson's a little bit bigger, maybe had a little more heft to his body than that. I think they list him as 6'1", 215. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly what Brewer was, but I never looked at Brewer and thought he was that big mm-hmm. uh, necessarily. So it, you know, it's tough to look in the history of Virginia Tech and find some sort of physical comp for him or a guy that plays the same way, You know, especially since we've, you know, we've seen him play in a spring game essentially. So yeah. it's, it's not like this is this wealth of game tape that we've seen on Josh Jackson. So, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how he plays uh, during the season because I'm not exactly sure uh, what they're going to get out of him. Uh, it's kind of the first time in a while, I think, that you go into a season just kind of not having a clue. What does this mean for Bush? <coughs> Is there a role on this team for Bush? I know I, I, I did watch the press conference online and, and saw that uh, he was or he was asked, you know, Coach Fuente and I think Cornelson were both asked about Bush and how he took the news and what did they say about that and what did they say about any possible roles for him moving forward? You know, I think they said what you expected. He's disappointed, but they expect him to continue to show up and be a leader on this team. I, mean, I remember last week when we asked somebody asked him a hypothetical question. It might have been you. I can't remember. If you don't win this job, you know, what? what's your reaction? How do you uh, go on from something like that? And he's like, you know, I'm on the leadership council of this team still like I still have to continue to show up uh, continue to put the work in because that's what you do when you're a leader on this team so I, I would expect that not to change I, I don't think there's sort of any division or any sort of uh, rift or anything like that because of this decision I, I feel like it's a very fairly positive quarterback room I, I think they do support each other I don't think that's just lip service that they're giving this whole thing so uh, I think he will continue to be a valuable older guy on the team, even if he hasn't played here for a very long time. You know, I asked Cornelson, uh, is there another way that he can help this team? And I didn't necessarily mean it in like switching positions or anything like that. I think right. that's, how, that's how he took the, the question initially. It's like that, you know, he's going to prepare to be the second quarterback right now. He's, a, he's an injury or, you know, a play away from being the guy that they turn to uh, at this moment in time. Uh, so he's going to continue to do that. I, I followed it up. I said, well, at the quarterback position, is there something he could do? I mean, there are ways to use those kind of running skills, whether it's a wildcat quarterback or anything like that. Uh, he said it's a possibility. And, you know, I didn't wouldn't expect him to give away what their game plan would be on anything like that. So, you know, that was kind of the answer I expected, uh, something vague like that, that, not too many specifics. But, you know, this is – uh, an offense that Fuente has shown over the years that he doesn't really care who's moving the ball as long as they can move the ball in certain ways. And if there's somebody on the bench that can help them move the ball in certain situations, I don't think that he'd be afraid to turn to him and use him in that kind of way, even if they haven't sort of done that in the past with the different guys they have on their team. But, you know, like uh, Brendan Motley last year, if he had a substantially different skill set from Gerard Evans. I think you would have seen him a lot more in the game. I mean, they turned to him late in the pit game when Gerard couldn't run the ball because his ankle was hurt. 
to get those tough yards. And he had, you know, ended up being in there for one series, I think, uh, at the very end and got a first down that allowed him to run the clock out. So uh, I think there's value in that second quarterback, and I think there are perhaps opportunities that he could get in the game uh, if they want to get a little imaginative with their offensive thinking. Let's throw out the fact that we both thought this was going <laughs> to be the decision. Okay, we're so smart, aren't we? <laughs> I've mentioned that two for two times. now, right? There was there was value in mi- minus one forty, as I mentioned the last time we got together. Let's throw that out for a second. I'm going to ask you a question uh, and get your opinion on it. Just just your you know just opine here. What did did Virginia Tech make the right decision based on what you know and the dominoes that fall by making this decision? Do you think Virginia Tech made the right decision at quarterback? Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I think there's a reason why Jackson was considered the favorite this whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did have the more more experience in the offense. He was a guy that was in the competition last year. Uh, pretty well-regarded recruit coming out of high school. I think it's interesting. This is the first high school recruit that Scott Leffler recruited that will start for Virginia Tech at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, comes a year and a half after he no longer works here, which is kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, if that's his parting gift to Virginia Tech for all the uh, – rancor that Hokies fans have about his offensive coordinating ability. Uh, this is a pretty good uh, parting gift that he left the, the fan base there. Uh, you know, I, I think it was the right decision just because I think you need somebody that's pretty steady in that position. Even if inexperienced, I think you need somebody that, uh, you know, hey, you have a bunch of young receivers that are in there. He can get them the ball in the right spot and he can get things organized and he's not going to go be up and down with – uh, his play on the field. I think you need somebody sort of steady there. They mentioned consistency uh, is a reason that they, they put him in the top spot there at this quarterback job. Uh, I think they need that because, you know, as some, somebody asked Fuente yesterday, are you happy or pleased with the progress of your sporting cast? And he's like, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, th- I think that was a question. I, I can't remember the, the exact question. Yeah. The point is he's, it's still a work in progress with that supporting cast. I think to have somebody that's pretty steady, they think, at quarterback – uh, that's one less thing to worry about in the offense right now. How would the fan base have reacted if, if they'd have thrown a real curveball here and Hendon Hooker had been named the quarterback? You that would have been – I mean, that would have been very shocking. There wouldn't have been a columnette on that. I can no, that would have been a full column. <laughs> Maybe several. Yeah, I think they would have been over the moon because whenever – uh, a guy that nobody has seen on the field really at all, or sort of next big thing gets his chance. Everybody's all over it. Everybody, oh my gosh, he must be amazing if he's jumping to the starting job right now. I think the the hype machine would have been out of control uh, at that point if, if Hooker had been the starting quarterback. But I think, you know, as it turns out, it, it looks like he's probably in line for a red shirt. I mean, you know, Fuente said right now. Bush should be the number two quarterback, but uh, that can change. They're going to continue to sort of figure that out over the next month. And uh, But if you get halfway through the season and Hooker hasn't played at all and it doesn't look like he's going to have any kind of role on this team this year, there's no reason to waste that year. So, uh, you know, people always say, oh, the, these freshmen coming in, they're going to be great right away and all this stuff. There's really a natural progression. Even a guy like Hooker who enrolled early to go through the spring drills – it's really rare for a fresh, true freshman quarterback to get on the field and contribute right away. Uh, so I, I think I, we, everybody always kind of saw a red shirt coming for him. I think this is just sort of the, the natural outcome that you'd expect to see there. I can tell you we have a guy, uh, a friend of mine, who works on the copy desk here who's a West Virginia fan. And uh, he 
you know, he spends some time on their message boards and stuff. And, and he, he said that, uh, the, that the Mountaineer fans, the Mountaineer faithful were terrified that Hooker was going to win the job. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's I was, just message he, board nonsense. Well, yeah. And he, he had, cause this was like a couple weeks ago and he said, do you think Hooker's going to get the job? I said, no, I think he's the longest shot on the board by far. Um, he says, really? Yeah. Cause that's what that, I mean, I guess in the opposing, um, chat world, uh, face, space time and face, uh, I'm not on space. the space book. <laughs> I hate it when people call it Spacebook. You know damn well what it's called. Don't act like you don't know what it's called. My yeah. Face and Spacebook. You know what those things are called. Don't act like you don't know what they're called. All right. Well, I that I feel like that is born out of the fact that he had a pretty good spring game, and people will just see the stats from that spring game. We go, oh, he's ten for eleven with one hundred thirty yards. The other guys didn't do anything. It's like, well, yeah, he was going against the second and third team defense too. Right. Like, there's context to those stats, which. You know, I don't support Virginia Tech not putting out stats because I think it's ridiculous. In the spring, everybody's watching the game. Everybody's going to be keeping stats, and then they turn around and use our stats anyway <laughs> uh, in their thing. But uh, I can sort of see why a coach would be like, well, these stats don't matter because the you know the variables aren't the same in this whole thing. Right. <laughs> All right. What is the, long, the long-term outlook for the quarterback position. You mentioned off air, they've got a guy named Quincy Patterson from Chicago who's committed to Virginia Tech who uh, everybody's going gaga about. Hype train yeah. central there. Where does he fit in the in the, in the the outlook, long-term outlook? Where does Hooker fit in? Where does, <coughs> where does Bush fit in? Uh, you know, he would only be here one more year, right, Bush? Correct. Okay. Uh, what I mean, what is the long-term view for, for this uh, for this position. Well, you want to talk about hype train. Like Quincy Patterson, who committed, uh, started shooting up the recruiting rankings, Elite 11 finalist, uh, first time uh, Tech commit has had that since Tyron Taylor. So the hype train's kind of off the <laughs> out of this world for him right now. I think there was some tweet out there from some uh, recruiting site guy, not, not even like a Virginia Tech-based recruiting site guy, who said, I've talked to multiple coaches who said this guy can win multiple Heismans. It's like, okay, stop. <laughs> Just stop right there. That is so ridiculous. Do you say that about any way, anybody, let alone put that sort of burden on a player? Like, remember uh, Ron Paulus when Bino Cook said he was going to win two Heismans? How did that turn out for Ron Paulus? Like, just stop it. <laughs> to say that he's going to be the second person in history to win two Heismans is just the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Now, that said, it's, he seems like a pretty good prospect. He's a guy that uh, Fuente and Cornelson were on uh, you know, earlier than a lot of schools were. I think they saw potential in this kid. Uh, he's a pretty good size. I want to say 6'4", 6'5", uh, you know, dual threat type guy. Uh, they they got on him pretty early, and I think uh, as his recruiting heated up and his summer for performance uh, you know became apparent to everybody that a lot more schools got in, and they're still going to have to fight some people off to keep him as a recruit. Uh, that said, I go back to my original thing about freshmen. It's true freshman quarterbacks rarely make that much of an impact. It's just really, really tough to come in and learn all the things of a, a college offense that you need to and have the skill and the temperament and the mind frame to do all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's not high school where you can just get by uh, with your passes not being exactly precise or you can get by just sort of on your athleticism and running around. Everybody's an athlete in college. That's not going to get you anywhere. So um, I would think that, you know, next year people are going to have this huge hopes for him coming. Oh, he's going to take the job right away. 
I, I don't think it'll happen. I think it'll be a process for him, and it'll be a growth thing over a couple years before he really gets into the quarterback battle in earnest. And then he'll move to receiver, and then he'll transfer. No, I, I don't <laughs> think that. But, but the funny thing is, it's like what people are saying about – or what people were saying about Hendon Hooker before Patterson committed, they're now saying about Patterson. Right. It's like they just moved the on. Boy. Yeah. And Hooker hasn't even played a snap in college yet. He, he's not gotten on the field. He, you know, in my opinion, I think he's going to redshirt this year. I mean, it, it's amazing how it can just go from the next great thing. All right, we've seen a little bit of this guy. Let's go to the next great thing of him because you haven't seen that much of him. There, there's this imagination factor that you can just think of this idealized version of what this guy is like, and you've never seen him on the field. You've never seen his flaws. It, it's kind of like the one and done thing in basketball where, you know, get get to the pros before they can see you over three to four years in college where they can pick apart your flaws, and then by the time you're a senior, you're like, this guy's old old news. you got to go to the next great thing. Whom, whom do we uh, – all that said, whom do we congratulate – for going into Chicago and getting this, is it is it Fuente alone or is it Fuente and Cornelson? I mean, they were they were both on him. Uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of deal that they'll go anywhere to recruit quarterbacks. Uh, you know, they proved that going to Texas last year. Uh, you know, one of the first places Fuente went was to to Michigan to keep Josh Jackson in the fold after he uh, uh, became head coach there uh, in late November a couple years ago. Uh, so I, I think they'll take commitments from quarterbacks anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of the thing now. You don't need to find some regional guy. But you you looked at that run that Virginia Tech had at quarterbacks for so long. It was just somebody from Virginia. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think uh, was it Grant Knoll? Was he like from West Virginia or something? Like barely across the border. If there was one that was in there that was like that. Uh, you know, now times. You know the. Social media sort of uh, shrinks the globe a little bit in that sense, and you can get in on guys that are farther away, and it's maybe not as, as regionally uh, biased when it comes to recruiting like that. So I, I, I think they're sort of spreading out and uh, taking any kind of quarterback they can find if he's talented. Yeah, but still, you're growing up in Notre Dame country, and you know, you know Ohio. You got to drive by Ohio State to get here, right? Uh, and uh, Michigan and all those places. You got Northwestern right there in Chicago. Pretty good academic school. Not a bad football school. Suppose. All right. Short leash. Wow. Harsh. Harsh just dismissal of Northwestern there. I've, I've written short leash on the paper here. Uh, we always laugh when we think of that because we watched that playoff game where Hokie Joe Saunders pitched for the Orioles against the Rangers. And one of the three keys that uh, TBS put on the screen <coughs> for for winning the game for for the Orioles to win the game was short leash, which is a really terrible It stills a lot of confidence in your starting pitcher when that is uh, – you have somebody warming up during the national anthem in the bullpen. That's, that's not the most you know, confidence-inspiring thing. And Hokie Joe won a forever place in my heart by winning that game. And uh, so they, they went on to uh, the next round of the playoffs with that. But is, is there a short leash here for Josh Jackson or maybe a comparatively short leash to last year? Uh, because of his inexperience and maybe the fact that we, you know, just like Fuente doesn't really know exactly what he's going to get. We don't know exactly what he's going to get, what, what, what we're going to see. Um, we, would it be a scenario where if he had a disastrous game in the first, you know, the first time he took the field that uh, yoink, he's gone? Perhaps. Uh, I didn't get that sense from the other day, though. Uh, you know, Cornelson was asked about it. He's like, you know, it's not going to be – 
him looking over his shoulder. One bad throw or one bad drive, and all of a sudden they're going to yank him from the game. And he pointed out the fact that you know Fuente was a quarterback. He's been through that. He knows what it's like to have to look over your shoulder from his time at Oklahoma, where he's always wondering whether he was going to be the starter. And you know, kind of got. Uh, jerked around a little bit with uh, you know, being the starter and this other guy is going to come and take his job and didn't feel like the coaches were truthful to him in this whole process. Uh, so I, I think he understands sort of the mentality of what it's like to play quarterback, and he's, he's not going to put his quarterback through that. You look at his history with starting quarterbacks, uh, starting his time at TCU when he took over as offensive coordinator, uh, and every time he's picked somebody to be his starting quarterback, that's been the starting quarterback the entire season. He's not uh, somebody who's like, okay, we're going to switch this guy for a game, go back to this guy. He's he's had a long leash with these guys. And, you know, a couple years ago, Paxton Lynch uh, displaced a starter from the previous year at Memphis. Jacob Karam, I think is his name, uh, was a redshirt freshman. Uh, Paxton Lynch was that year. And he didn't necessarily have the greatest stats. Uh, I think he had nine touchdowns, ten interceptions, 58% completion. Uh, on a team that went three and nine, so it's not like he was overwhelming with his performance. And you know, Karam the previous year, Memphis had gone four and eight. So he had a decent stats, I think fourteen touchdowns or something like that. But they stuck with Lynch. I mean, that I guess that was maybe a little bit different situation because that was building for the future, and he knew that better things were ahead with Memphis. They just sort of had to get this, this quarterback uh, prepared, and obviously that happened the next two years when uh, you know, Lynch was outstanding. They went nineteen and seven the next two years. Uh, but historically, he has picked a guy, and he has stuck with that guy through thick and thin in a season. Uh, so I, I, you know, I would think that his, you know, Jackson is going to have a lot of leeway here. I mean, maybe it would take something just outright disastrous with the performance uh, for him to actually get pulled for somebody else. But I think it's Jackson, and I think they're going to stick with Jackson. So first freshman to start since Tyron, right? Two thousand seven. Yes, and first freshman or redshirt freshman to start an opener since Vic. Correct. Uh, Michael Vic. Um, so that does uh, kind of underscore what you were talking about earlier about how difficult it is for a freshman just to get in the mix, uh, much less start. And remember how much Tech didn't want Tyrod to play? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason he didn't start the opener. They planned to redshirt him that year, and then they get to the second week and they go, oh, this offensive line's not very good. We've got to have somebody that can move back there. They lose the opener to ECU. I think that's what happened. Was that the year? I thought, I'm trying to think, 2007, they, was that the year they got was, blasted by LSU in the second week? Yeah. Well, I think they lost the opener to ECU in Charlotte, maybe? Uh, I thought that was a later season. Okay, uh, yeah. Keep all, talking. They I'll all run, they all run together. Dead air. Dead air. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, you know, Frank, you – Frank Beamer would say near the end of his tenure that uh, I've, I've learned that when a guy's ready to play, you have to play him, you know, and I think we're getting to a, an era now where, you know, the younger players are getting more of a look. Uh, I think there was a, a, a long sort of you know, apprenticeship you had to have as a quarterback in, in the olden days that I don't know exists anymore. And that's about all I have to say in terms of that. 2007, they beat East Carolina to start the season. They did. Oh, that was the that was the home game at Virginia right. Tech, After uh, the, the emotional yeah. game. But the second week, they they went down to LSU and just got blasted. Right. And I think that's when uh, I don't know if Tyrod started that game. He, he certainly played in that. He, he did not start the game. He, he certainly played in it at a certain point. They're like, all right, this is the direction this team has to go. And uh, you know, looking at the rest of the season, it paid off pretty well for them that year. Uh, 
But yeah, that was the mindset back then is they didn't want to play a true freshman. And you look at Tyrod's stats those first couple years, uh, if you would trade off his freshman season to have a fifth-year senior season with him, I think a lot of Tech fans in hindsight would do that Uh, because his stats those first couple years, he he was mobile and he could move around, but uh, it wasn't anything like he was as a senior when he was the ACC Player of the Year. And you know, imagine Tyrod. I mean, as well as Logan Thomas played in 2011. Uh, with that team that went to the Sugar Bowl, imagine that team with Tyrod Taylor running the show, fifth-year senior Tyrod Taylor. And I would imagine he would have stuck around. I mean, it's not like he was a high draft pick, sixth-round pick. Uh, so that's sort of the, the thought process, I think, that comes into these coaches sometimes is that uh, you're going to see something better on the back end of a guy's career than, than playing him right away as a freshman. Right. The supporting cast update, and you mentioned before that no, they're not better or he's not more comfortable – uh, any updates on, on supporting cast? Uh, just anybody emerging at receiver or anything like that? You know, there was uh, a mention of Hezekiah Grimsley, one of the best names on the team, in my opinion. Uh, he, true freshman, you know, I kind of wondered if he was going to be a guy that played right away. Uh, Caleb Farley's injury, I think, made it more apparent that he was going to play a little bit earlier. It sounds like he's sort of taken to the uh, – you know, to the field right away. He's got some first-team reps with stuff. Uh, you know, I think he's got decent speed. It sounds like he's got decent hands. Uh, I think he's somebody that's going to play this year, uh, which leads us to. This is an interesting time to bring up the Pimpleton Minute. You did not mention Khalil Pimpleton in your little speech there uh, my in your answer to my question so we had to go to it on its own what's new with uh, khalil how's he looking out there <laughs> i've got nothing new it was a big that was a big uh, setup for nothing but there's there's nothing new uh that we know about on khalil other than he's still out there competing for reps okay nobody's mentioned him at least all right all right well i'll I'll need to go to the next press conference and make sure i ask about him because uh it sounds like you guys down there don't care i don't care enough about we're we're not servicing the pimpleton minutes enough in uh our our weekly press conference questions that's right that's right you need to think about the podcast and think about your podcasting partner here when you're down there and if i have to go down there and do it myself i will Coach, uh, just wanted to get an update on the pit for the Pimpleton Minute on the Hokies Press Pass podcast. What do you got there for us? All right, let's. Uh, you you are now an AP voter, and I do not envy you. I've turned that down many times. Uh, <coughs> it does not sound like a good time to me on Sunday night when you're trying to relax. But you you are. Uh, it's Saturday night. It's got to be in Sunday morning. You're you're a soldier. You're a good soldier. You're doing it. Uh, where did you you submitted your first ballot here this past week? Who did you where did you have Tech if at all in the poll? And what what other interesting notes about your poll? I had Virginia Tech nineteenth, which was maybe higher than I thought I would put them originally. But uh, you know, as a first time voter, I think you start to notice uh, you get past team about fifteen or so, and everybody really starts looking the same. <laughs> it becomes very different to or difficult to find differences between a lot of these teams especially the initial poll which you know i kind of struggled uh to kind of place teams in this it's like i've read about a lot of these teams i think i've heard what sort of the consensus idea is but honestly i don't really know how a lot of these things are going to shake out i don't know if washington state is better than west virginia right now and until you see some results from the season 
it's going to be tough to sort of peg teams in a certain order. So I had my initial ballot in and, you know, I've been critical of <laughs> voters in the past. I think now that I see the process of having to do it, maybe I will be less so because it's very difficult to put together an order of a bunch of teams that you've only read about. And you have no sort of data points uh, of how they're going to be this season. So I had a, an initial list. I'll tell you right now, my initial list is going to be subject to change and I, I'm not going to be afraid to change it drastically. I'm not going to be somebody that, you know, uh, I had Auburn in the top 10 to start and they lost this game. I'm going to drop them three spots. Like I'll take into how did they play in this game? If they, you know, if they lose to some top five team, that's different than struggling with an FCS team and still winning. So I, I'm not going to be afraid to raise people a bunch and drop people a lot. Uh, even outside of sort of the convention of, of polls where you win, you move up, you lose, you move down. Yeah. I think that is the most legitimate complaint people have about poll voters is that they just you know they're stuck in their ways if they believe something to begin the season and the, the empirical evidence out there isn't there to support it they still leave their guy you know their teams in the poll you know instead of bumping them out right away i mean if you're if you're ranked third going into the season and you get crushed by some you know fbs team you should be gone you know like not i mean You've shown nothing. Why are you ranked? You know, uh, you do not have uh, West Virginia in the poll. Is that correct? I considered them uh, for sort of the, the 24th, 25th spot, and I ended up going with uh, Notre Dame and Oregon, which, you know, I think a lot of people say, Notre Dame, they were 4-8 and eight last year, and I understand the criticism of that. I also understand that that was a team that, you know, you look at some of the uh, advanced stats on Notre Dame, and that was a much better team than a 4-8 and eight result. I think if they replayed that season, that would not be a 4-8 and eight team a lot. Quite a bit coming back. They've recruited well over the years. I think when you're doing this sort of poll, you can't just base it off what last year's record was. You have to kind of look at maybe what the forecast is this year. And I looked at West Virginia, and I, I considered them lost a really lot of players on that defense. Uh, I think that was what, my one big hesitation there. Now, I will say beat Virginia Tech in the first game. Uh, you know, West Virginia's in the poll and Virginia Tech's out. I mean, I'll just say that right now, just based on where they were uh, going into this initial thing. I, I would imagine that would be the case. Uh, but yes, I did not have them in, but, uh, you know, I consider Tennessee another team I didn't have ranked, I believe. I, I actually I have to go back and look at my ballot. This was a, a separate file that I had. I can't remember if I put Tennessee in that 25th spot or Oregon. Uh, but. You know, like I said, the, all those teams, 20 to 30, I think those are, are pretty well interchangeable. I, I find it interesting, though, because we talked about it after the, you know, the ACC kickoff in Charlotte, that you, your your order was Miami in the Coastal, and then you had uh, Georgia Tech, and then you had Virginia Tech. And you have Miami one spot ahead of <coughs> Virginia Tech in your in your poll. at eight. You have Miami at 18, Tech at 19, and you do not have Georgia Tech in your poll. Explain that. You know, that does seem inconsistent on my part, but I do think those teams near the top of the division are so tightly bunched that there's not a big difference between the three. I will say that, you know, you look at uh, Georgia Tech, they get Virginia Tech at home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that could be an advantageous thing just within the Coastal Division and those specific records. Overall, I think Virginia Tech could be a slightly better team, even if they necessarily wouldn't be favored in that game going down there. So, you know, there's sort of other things to consider with that. Uh, like I said, it's just sort of a, a starting point with this. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech is another team I considered uh, for the rankings here, but I ended up not putting them in there. Uh, they play Tennessee, I believe, uh, in the first week. 
they win that game, I think they could very well move into the polls because uh, you know Tennessee, I think, is a pretty decent team as well. So they, like I said, it's going to be very fluid in these early weeks. Uh, I think I turned in the poll and it wasn't exactly – or my ballot, I wasn't exactly pleased – Maybe not, maybe not pleased with the right word. Maybe not just satisfied that, oh, I had it right. I think there's going to be all sorts of uncertainty when you turn in something like that. But uh, like I said, nobody really knows coming into a season. I mean, so I, I look at some of these polls that, that people put out. Sports Illustrated had Oklahoma State fourth. I thought that was uh, extremely high. It could happen, but you know, just based on what they have and looking at it on paper, I didn't quite put them that high. Well, one poll where Georgia Tech did very well was my slogans rankings. Uh, that was, you know, an idea born on this podcast last week. And I went through all the ACC Twitter feeds and looked at the media guys to see what the slogans were. Um, and I think you can read my disdain for slogans overall, just based on which ones I chose, uh, to be yeah, number, number five, hashtag BC Eagles and number four, go Duke. Yeah. Come on. Those because Those shouldn't even been in the category of slogans. Those aren't slogans. Those are just hashtags for this thing. I think that's that's my point. Uh, the less you have in terms of slogans, the the more I appreciate your Twitter feed. Uh, well, you put Florida State number one, which had no slogan. Right, which is kind of my punctuation mark on the column. <laughs> like, okay, slogans are dumb. Uh, but I think Together We Swarm by Georgia Tech is really good. I think that's a really solid slogan it, it it just it's unique yeah yeah you're not going to get many others like that i'm trying to think of other things that would swarm not many things yeah uh, bees i guess uh, but they're kind of kin to jackets right yeah uh orange is the new fast i thought was pretty solid because you you know that's unique i mean text culturally are, revel, relevant right now yeah, it's, yeah i mean that show's still on you know orange uh, what orange is the new black is that the name of the show i've never seen it but it is yeah uh, Facebook and all that. I don't. I don't follow that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, whatever it takes, I put as second to last. That's. I just think it's lame. Like it's. They, I worked at Wendy's when I was like sixteen, and that's something like they, they would show on your like video, like when you just got the job there. Like whatever it takes to make the customer happy. You know, they, they, you can use that phrase for any place. Why you did that for like a week at Wendy's, and you're like, I'm not gonna go the extra mile for Wendy's. Yeah. Screw this. Like, how about like. You know, something about your, your mountains or something about just, I don't know, something that, that says Virginia Tech other than whatever it takes. And, and they're still wearing those shirts out there, man. What, where would you have ranked hard, smart, tough? Uh, better. I mean, better, but probably like 10th. I mean, what did you think of Origin of Flight by North Carolina? Didn't that sound more like an IMAX movie than it does a Michael Jordan reference? I guess. I mean, that's North Carolina's whole thing with their license plates all over the place and the Wright brothers and all that stuff. So I, I guess it ties into North Carolina, but yeah. Okay. Could do better than that. I think, especially if you're a football team. Well, what was your favorite of the, of the ones we listed? Uh, I like orange is the new fast. Yeah, that's pretty strong. That's pretty good. Yeah. It probably deserved to be ahead of, that's just cause people. I like Dino Babers. Yeah. I, I think he's a good coach and I you know, like talking to him. So I'm, I'm biased towards Babers in that sense. Well, I'm biased against Doran, <coughs> Dave Doran at NC State because he's Dave Boren when it comes to talking to us. And one so his, pack, one goal. I stole your smoking secession line. It's a good line. That it's is a good a, line. It does sound like a smoking secession line. All right, we like to end this thing weekly with uh, predictions. I just kind of threw a number out here. This is not anything you can actually bet on anywhere that <coughs> I know of. So, um, But, Andy, I'm curious – Josh Jackson, over-under for regular season starts, 
Eight and a half. Which way are you going? Over. Way over. I don't think it's close. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, Fuente picks a guy, has stuck with him. It's it's his history uh, as a coach. I would imagine if Jackson plays pretty well, which I think he will, I just can't see him going out there and just being a disaster on the field. I, I think that that job will continue to be his. And, you know, you could put the over-under at 11. I think I would still take Josh Jackson. But or over you got to yeah, you, you got to take the injury risk into that's consideration. That's true. That is well. true. How much do you think he's going to run? Uh, clearly, I don't think we believe he'll run as much as Gerard did. Like, no, more than two hundred times. Enough, you know. Paxton Lynch was always labeled as a dual threat guy at Memphis, uh, and I think you look at his stats, you'd be surprised. Uh, he scored a lot of touchdowns uh, one particular year. I don't think he had the most rushing yards. Kind of an Andrew Luck type. Thing. Yeah, uh, Andy Dalton you don't think of as the most mobile guy. But when Fuente was the offensive coordinator, I want to see he had 400 or 500 rushing yards one year. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe the outward appearance of somebody isn't the best way to judge whether they're going to be uh, a big runner in a certain season. Uh, you know, I'd say I'll put it at 300 yards. Okay. Maybe, maybe something around there. I mean, it, uh, college is weird because they include the sack yardage in that. Right. So uh, it, it's maybe not – it's not easy to pick whether he's going to top that based on how many times he gets sacked in a year. But uh, I would say it's it's not going to be something like anywhere close to what Gerard here had last year, which I think was like 862 or something like that. Uh, I think it'll be a fraction of that. But, you know, every quarterback that Justin Puente's had has rushed the ball pretty well at times. And I, I think Jax will be like in that same mold. Will he ever in any game this year, will he be the leading rusher for Virginia Tech? <laughs> Yeah, I think there might be a game where that pops up just because I don't think there's going to be a guy that gets the majority of carries in every game. And I think there's going to be a lot of games where, okay, the Jet Sweep guy is really featured in a particular game. and uh, you know, I I don't think it would take much more than 50 yards, perhaps, from Jackson in one game. If things, you know, bounced right with the way that the the carries were split, that that could be the leading rusher in a game. So I'll say yes. I think he could in one game. Okay. Well, we'll get back together again next week, right, Andy? Yeah. We're in in rhythm now. We're in full season mode here. Okay. All right. And we'll talk about other issues outside of quarterbacks. Obviously, uh, there'll be more to talk about as the practices continue. But in the meantime, check out our stuff on Roanoke.com. Andy's uh, blogging every day. And I'm chiming in uh, intermittently, too. So uh, hope you'll read that and catch us next week when we tape another one of these. For Andy Bitter, this is Aaron McFarlane. We'll see you next time.